You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Tempo Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers and behind the scenes. And it's our Thanksgiving episode. Matt, what kind of adventure are we going to go on for Thanksgiving? Oh, kids, we're having duck for Thanksgiving. Uh, We're about to go uh, through space with Howard the Duck. Across the sea of stars lies another world, a world almost exactly like ours. This is where he lives. He's 27 years old, single but searching. Favorite sports, windsurfing and Aikido. Favorite pastimes, cigars and sex. He has everything except fulfillment. And then one night, it happens. Hey, good buddy, are you home? He has a very sudden midlife crisis. He lands in Cleveland. Do you know why you were sent to me? Listen to me, small visitor. I can explain how you got here. Maybe you're here for some greater purpose, some cosmic cause. Here, he's forced to reassess his career goals. You went to med school? To explore new relationships. (laughs) To redefine his self-image. I'm sorry, we don't allow pets on the premises to adjust to a changing lifestyle. Oh, I pull it out! Until he discovers just who he really is. Oh, no. A duck in big trouble. That's a duck, man! Howard the Duck, trapped in a world he never made. Coming from George Lucas, a Willard Hike film, a Gloria Katz production. Quack, quack. Or that stupid quack noise that Tim Robbins makes. Yes, his... Uh kind of weird daffy duck kind of uh impression <laughs> or whatever yeah, wonga, wonga, wonga. i don't even know <laughs> what he's doing <laughs> so before we get into my history on this for our <laughs> thanksgiving sort of weird family adventure fun time uh what is yours bud this one is one that kind of i saw later I kind of caught the first wave of the cult following pre Guardians of the Galaxy, but way later than when this movie came out. I think I saw it around like 2007, 2008, around the time that like the the Universal finally kind of acknowledged the movie and put out like a special edition DVD. That was the first time I had seen it. So I was like 17, 18. I was a teenager. But I do remember watching it like my I think my parents were home and I was it was I was in high school and I was just home. It was like a Saturday afternoon. And I remember just putting it on. And I think uh, my parents walking in on it were just totally befuddled. I was befuddled, but of course, you know, you fall in love with it because it's just so weird, but that was the first time I had seen it. So I'm, I'm pretty fresh to the cult of Howard the duck. Well, I'm glad you joined the cult because uh, it used to be a very rare cult, or at least it seemed like it because, you know, back pre-internet, a lot of times this is like, I think I'm the only person who's really seen this. But then yes. this was something that we watched in my extended family. Uh, when we went to my aunt's house, they had Howard the Duck. And this is definitely one, you know, like Star Wars and like Willow. I was raised on the Lucas films and somewhat the Ewok films. Not as much. Those are mostly like, well, I guess if this is the only thing on because those ones are you know, bottom of the barrel. <laughs> the way the way you get your Star Wars fix if there's nothing else. <laughs> it's the well, I don't have any weed, so I guess I'm gonna drink some Nyquil. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Somehow I'm gonna get a little weird. Yes, and get a fix Ewoks. somehow, and that was that was that. <laughs> but this was something that we all loved. It was bizarre. It was just something when you were young. So I get this if you're older and you put in this film and you're and you're totally put off by this. Say if you're a '70s kid. Or a 90s kid and above. Because let's say you saw Guardians of, Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And you saw Howard Duck at, at the end. And you're like interested to go back into 86. Kind of like what probably you and I did back when we were kids. If we saw something, it's like, oh, that was something from long ago. Let's check it out. Mm-hmm. And you watch it and you're like, this is awful. I understand. But I'm going to tell you right now. 
I love this film so much. This has so much nostalgia love for it, but it's bad. And I do have a couple theories of what makes it bad. Because usually I go through and I ask people all the time, you know, and when they're like, oh, that movie's so bad, it's not even funny bad. I go, well, you didn't like Howard? And most people will be like, he was fine. I liked him. He was enjoyable. I'm like, well, you didn't like Leah Thompson as uh, Beverly, you know, the cherry bomb? And they're like, no, she was fine. I liked her. She was likable. I'm like, oh, was it Jeffrey Jones, you know, being the dark overlord? They're like, no, no, he was kind of creepy, but, you know, a fun bad guy. I'm like, oh, was it Tim Robbins? And that one is almost like he was one of the most annoying people on screen. And I was like, I agree. <laughs> uh, I know he was trying to be the slapsticky kind of comic relief, but I think it's really him for a lot of people and the story being too damn long. Kind of fragmented. Like if you just look at the structure of this movie, very strange. You know, it it does it starts off kind of as your typical Marvel pre Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, kind of your typical Marvel adaptation with a little bit of origin story, a little bit of setting you off on your adventure. But then the movie, as it goes on, takes weird kind of gaps to focus on things that I guess don't really seem important. Like, why is Howard spending this much time in this research facility or whatever it is before he escapes and inevitably comes back to it? You know, why is this diner scene so long? You know, as we get into the second half of this movie, the structure of the film is very strange. And I feel like that is another reason that could be pretty off putting for people. Yeah, that was kind of what I was saying with the story is like the Mm -hmm. story and the structure of this, just like the whole job hunt is one of those you could lop off the entire time he's searching for a job. He could just run away from Leah or not run away from Leah and just like the next night go to the bar and decide that he likes her and then get her money from the managers. Yeah, and it just seems like it was written because of that, because there's so many scenes that could just be like lopped off. It almost seems to be like it was written sort of stream of consciousness or something like that. Like this is a first draft or... The the you know, they just threw every idea that stuck there, something like that, where there hasn't been sort of editing or streamlining uh, where it easily could have been. Because, like I said, the, the, the tip the setup is there for the typical Marvel thing. You get the origin story, you get to know the character, you get to know all the characters, you get the setup of the, the kind of gallery of the characters you're going to be dealing with throughout the movie. But then, yeah, then the movie just like puts brakes on for some reason for a while. And yeah, it just seems like maybe first draft or rushed script or confused script or too many cooks. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And this is from the writers of American Graffiti, Gloria Katz and uh, Willard Huck. Yeah, who also did a really cool 70s horror movie called Messiah of Evil, which is like considered to be one of like the best sort of regional like regionally made uh, horror movies, uh, independent from the 70s. Really cool movie. And then, yeah, kind of did a hard pivot into Lucasland after that. Yeah, because he did Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I understand his weirdness. He's kind of good at this. Uh, With her, I don't know her as much. Oh, she also wrote Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So I do know her. Okay, I I understand her weirdness. Yeah, I think they're they're writing partners because they came up, like I said, with Messiah of Evil together and worked their way through to, you know, Hollywood stuff like this. Uh, I think they're just sort of writing partners. And yeah, weird stuff, really just exploring like weird humor and tone and, you know, experiment, experimenting a little bit. But I don't know if the experiment necessarily pays off here. I'm I'm giving us a lot of criticisms early on, but I, I do like this movie. But we just got to talk about how fucking weird it is still. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I actually I, I agree with a lot of people like when they criticize this, because I actually think you can love this and I completely agree with you and hate it. And I completely agree with you most of the time. Uh, there are a few you know, critics out there where I've heard them describe why they don't like this movie. And I, I think some of it's unfair. Uh, we'll talk about that. Most of that's the visual stuff. Uh, these two writers. Yeah. I really assume I'm just, I don't know, but looking at the way they talked on the documentary and everything, I really do think they are much more of like throw paint at the wall writers. 
and then they need someone, or maybe they have to have time to edit down, whittle something down, because mm-hmm. this movie felt rushed. And when I watched the documentary, it kind of made more sense where they kind of wanted this to be an animation, but that takes years. And Universal wanted this movie out by the summer. So I think they did this movie in like what? It was less than a year. Yeah, that's kind of a fast turnaround for something this effects heavy and makeup heavy. It's yeah, that's that's too fast. So I, I, that could be a result of the problem there. Yeah. And this, you know, came from George Lucas. I This wasn't their passion project. So this came from Lucas. He discovered the comic book. He thought it was great. He thought it would be a great transition, you know, away from Star Wars and Indiana Jones, honestly, where he could still world build. But he didn't have time. His universe with the Lucas films and all of the things he was doing at this point in the 80s, his universe was becoming too big. So he had to, you know, give this to two people he trusted. These two writers from American Graffiti, which goes all the way back to was American Graffiti the second movie he ever directed, THX being the first? I believe so. Yeah. So, you know, he gave it to people he had worked with. He trusted them and he gave them the money and he worked with, you know, you know, he was part of the behind the scenes when it came to the visuals. But I don't think he was really on set when it came to the storytelling because Lucas, you know, kind of shies away from that, at least the acting part of it in the dialogue. He's just kind of hands off. I mean, a lot of actors, you've heard their interviews where they're like, Hey, I think uh, Lucas, we we could do this, and maybe they could say that, and he'd be like, mm, "Let's do the script first. Yeah. Okay, we're done." <laughs> you know, it's just like eh, he doesn't like that shit. That, that's fine. He's a w- visual world builder. I get it. He's an overarching story guy, and it works for him. You know, <laughs> no one's told him no. You know what I mean? Or if they have told him no, they've been proven wrong because. He prints money, so, you know. <laughs> he does. He built a universe. He became the the person that he hates. <laughs> and now he's walking away with four plus billion dollars. He's fine. Exactly. So let's get into this. The front of this VHS, if we're walking down the video store, this is one I, you know, I really don't know if we were attracted to this VHS. And really, it's because it was inside of my, you know, the family, extended family. So we'd go over to my aunts. I don't know if we actually ever owned this, but this always just seemed to be there. So I don't really know if this was something that attracted me because the VHS, you know, just has Howard the Duck, you know, in that nice comic fun font. Uh, Very much, I would say, 50s comic book font. Yeah, it definitely has a Dick Tracy meets like Inspector Gadget or something kind of fun comic booky font. Yeah, and it's got George Lucas presents Howard the Duck, and then it you know says William Hutz Hux. How do you say his last name? Is it Hux? Uh, I don't Hux? know. Willard Huck. I don't know. Huck. Hayuk. 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 I don't know. And Gloria Katz. At least she's easy. I know it hers. <laughs> Uh, so, but they're really tiny though. All, Lucas and all, so I'm wondering if all three of them were like, eh, let's make this small. <laughs> uh, I I know when they gave this to test audiences, it went very poorly. And then right when it hit the theater, they basically did the whole let's go on vacation and get away from this because it's not doing well. It shows uh, Howard the Duck sitting on his recliner. He's got his rolling egg. Ha 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 ha! Get it? And it's got <laughs> Beverly sizzles on it, and it shows. Leah Thompson on the uh, front. Leah Thompson. Wait, is it Leah Thompson? It's Leah, yeah. Yeah, Leah Thompson on the front. So she was so hot in the 80s. It was ridiculous. I mean, she was making out with uh, Michael J. Fox, and then she's making out with a duck. She's all over the place. But she's so damn likable. What what a what a early part of your career hooking up with a duck and hooking up with your son like <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man and I bet she went and did I catch this in the documentary right she went from the set of Back to the Future to the set of Howard the Duck I think so because the, oh time out right you know and it's both both Universal so probably they were filming next door so I would make sense it would time and it would time out right there you're only a year apart. Yeah, so I'm thinking she went Howard the Duck, or I mean, Back to the Future, somewhere around there, Howard the Duck, 
And then like a few years later, maybe a year later, even who knows, about two years later, Back to the Future 2 and then Back to the Future 3 back to back. So that's pretty. Wow. What a way to start your career. I mean, she had been, you know, working before that. She was in Jaws 3D and I know she was in um, Red Dawn. That was it. So I think, isn't she in All the Right Moves also? The Tom Cruise football one? Um, looks, yep, yeah, she is. I forgot. Yeah. I forget about that one. That's where Tom Cruise actually has his original jacked up teeth. Nice. <laughs> Every time I talk to someone about that, a lot of people bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. I just remember hearing about that one. Sports movie, football, you know, trying to get out of the small town, football, high school star movie, I think. Yeah, that's why I haven't seen it. <laughs> that's absolutely not my thing, but to each their yeah. own. <laughs> Sidebar, the way I saw that originally, no, this is no joke, uh, Substitute Teacher was teaching the class one day, and I don't know how they had that movie. They didn't see... I don't think that's appropriate for a high school movie. I'm pretty sure there was something in there where the teacher was like, don't tell anyone, folks. Yeah, there's a sex scene because they're both yeah. naked in it. Yeah, I think you, you see... Uh, She's naked and uh, Tom Cruise is uh, you get a little peek at all of the crews, too. So, uh, yeah, that's a bit bit much for a school school movie, I feel like. <laughs> and there's some swearing, too. I think the, the substitute teacher like ran up and started like fast forwarding. Like, oh, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, you got to watch the tape before you just stick it in, man. <laughs> hey, we talked about it already. That's how I saw Dante's peak. So go figure. <laughs> yeah. Substitute teachers back in the day. Yep. I don't know how they are nowadays, but back in the day, it was just like, hi, hey, whatever. Just give me my money. I'm out. Wheel the TV in here, and this yep. is what's laying around, so let's do it. <laughs> it's awesome. Anyway, back into the actual V8 sidebar. Over. <laughs> uh, yeah, looking at this, it's a pretty uh, simple, super simple, actually, uh, VHS cover. Now, your DVD cover that you have is a little bit different, right? Yeah, it's just the egg with uh, Howard's feet and Bill sticking out of it with like a cracked egg. Uh, I feel like this was a theatrical poster, or maybe the teaser poster or something for it. But yeah, all the DVDs and things, uh, you know, past the VHS all have this cover. The one I have now, how I got this on DVD before it came out on DVD, when DVDs were first coming out, and you, uh, we were all learning about ordering stuff online. Uh, I went and actually bought a German release of this that had that with the Ducks Bill coming, you know, Howard the Ducks Bill coming out with a cigar and it played on our DVD player. So I had this movie before anyone else on DVD. It is a terrible DVD, but my friends were like, dude, I, where did you get this? And I go, Germany. <laughs> Yeah, you're, so cool. you're right. This one was like hard to find until this until this 08 release on DVD. This you could only get it on VHS or nothing. Like that was it. So yeah, you had to you had to import it. That was the only way you could say it was like kind of like a Night of the Creeps kind of situation. Which like nowadays it's crazy to think with these kind of cult movies getting releases. But back when we were coming up, it was VHS or nothing. And if your video store didn't have that VHS or as the DVDs were starting to take over, you just couldn't find those VHS anymore. You just couldn't see this movie, you know, and this was one of them. So I think that's why everyone thought it was so cool, even though I don't think any of them really realized it was essentially the VHS rip. <laughs> they just used some type of software to barely improve it just enough to actually sell it. Because I think this movie actually did really well in Germany and Italy. That's funny. So for some reason, those two parts of Europe, and I'm sure a few other ones, but, you know, those are the two big names. They did well. Germany makes sense to me because Germany kind of likes this warped absurdity. Yeah, they like big absurdity. Yeah, definitely like like duck tits would be like a thing that they probably would be into. <laughs> You're spoiling it, man. That's like my <laughs> biggest thing I like to talk about at the beginning. <laughs> duck boobs. That was a shocking one seeing this for the first time. I, I don't know what was more shocking, like duck nudity or Leah Thompson trying to hook up with the duck. I, both uncomfortable, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, flipping it over to the back. We've got, you know, the, the font's really cool in there. We've got two, you know, all three of them are actually screenshots from the film. Jeffrey Jones is just sitting there with his feather. That they find, you got Leah Thompson, Leah Thompson in the front here, and then also Leah Thompson with uh, Howard the Duck. 
and I think it's the diner scene when she's got that amazing shirt on. <laughs> uh, her fashion is incredible. Well, throughout, we'll just say it. We'll just say it now. It's a wonderful 80s look. <laughs> yes, and I got a bone to pick with some random critic that I read online. He was sitting there saying, he's just like, it looks like she just had every day she had a fashion uh, mistake. And I was like, whoa. Whoa, she's awesome, dude. What are you talking about? Everything I was so excited every new scene it was going to be with her. And it was like, what is she going to wear? Every scene is something different. Yeah, what kind of complaint is that? I mean, this is a big budget 80s movie. Of course, it's like a they change outfits every scene. Like, have you seen a movie before? Like, that's how it works. <laughs> well, I looked at him and he looked like he was probably born in like 1995. Oh, yeah, he just doesn't understand. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So here we go. We got color, one hour, 51 minutes. Wow, that's too long for a Howard the Duck movie. 90 (laughs) minutes, folks. Yep. Okay, here we go. The description. Movie wizard George Lucas presents this comedy adventure about a fast-talking, cigar-chomping, beer-loving duck from a parallel universe who somehow winds up in Cleveland. Oh, we should talk about that throughout this. I guess the comic book, did they actually use Cleveland? I don't know. Let's figure it out together. The incredible fantasy has Howard, the object of everybody's desire, in love with the rock star Leah Thompson and doing battle with the dark, with the evil dark overlord as he attempts to return to his own planet. The wacky, elaborately produced spoof of life love comic books. Okay, wait, what? Elaborately produced spoof of life love comic books and horror movies from the team of Willard Huck and Gloria Katz features the songs of Thomas Doby and the special effects magic of George Lucas's Industrial Light and Magic Company. That was a weird sentence. Elaborately produced spoof of life, love comic books, and horror films. What? Also, I don't see how this is a spoof of horror movies at all. Like, No, that was the comic book. The Oh, the comic book was a spoof of horror? Yeah, because it doesn't come across in the movie at all. <laughs> they make it sound like it's the movie. This is more of just a dark absurd comedy yeah i mean it's got the dark overlord stuff and the monster at the end and everything but i don't think it it doesn't feel like a horror movie at all it feels like a like a comic book adventure movie yeah and this is definitely a lot like beetlejuice and a lot like little monsters where it seems like peewee's big adventure kind of helped these types of films come along in the 80s but i just think this was the mid and late 80s as we got this stuff this like just absurdity this was inevitable in the in the mid 80s (laughs) yeah and i'm glad we did because i mean it just propelled a lot of the 80s kids like me and and it you know obviously probably trickled over to some 90s kids not as much because i'm sure some parents are like i'm not buying you that i saw that no (laughs) and i just i i missed it too uh as a kid in the 90s because my video store didn't have it and i i'm assuming a lot of 90 90s kids might have had the same thing where their video store just didn't have it anymore because it probably wasn't moving it probably wasn't renting it probably wasn't selling they probably got rid of them uh or sold them you know previously viewed and then just didn't restock because my video stores didn't even have this movie (laughs) it didn't really make it known in the documentary but lucas really kind of just pretended like this didn't happen yeah i do i do sort of remember that vibe when this dvd came out it was kind of a big deal that it was being sort of acknowledged finally yeah he you know he would have talked about willow or something like that long before this this was just a movie where it happened it didn't work out moving on now it wasn't as bad as say the christmas special where he just you know, it said, like, if I had a hammer, I'd smash every copy of that. Now, he tried to bury that. I don't think he tried to bury Howard the Duck. He just didn't talk about it. Yeah, just sort of let it fade as opposed to try, you know, seek to destroy it. <laughs> it just sort of let it fade into obscurity. Probably smart. <laughs> Other than there is, I mean, now I don't think he'd talk about it, but there is something fun about when they embrace it. What shocks me is it's not as big a financial uh, failure as I always thought because the budget was around 37 million box office 38 million I'm sure there was some marketing money spent so they probably lost a little bit 
who knows if they made any money in the home video sales, but I mean, my family sure liked it. So I'm, I'm thinking they broke even or it was, you know, a little bit of a loss. Not terrible, but it was the critical failure that I think really scarred a lot of them. And especially the writer, the writing duo, uh, Gloria Katz and Willard Huck. I, I don't think they, they didn't do as much in the 90s. And I I would assume it's because of this. Yeah, that didn't help their chances of bouncing back at all. Yeah, it really wasn't until the uh, sort of wave of cult cinema that like the Anchor Bays and stuff brought into the world in the 2000s that this movie was kind of rediscovered. It wasn't until DVD that this movie found its first second life. And then its second second life was with Guardians of the Galaxy, as we mentioned or whatever. But it wasn't it really wasn't until we started kind of looking back on these things in the 2000s that anybody even acknowledged that this was a thing. So it's time to actually pop this tape in and where I come from. We never say die. <laughs> I didn't get all that. He was doing that multiple times in this film. Did you catch that? I heard it. I, I, I can specifically remember hearing at one time at least. Um, and I, what is, is that like, uh, a reference to Goonies or is that just a, uh, a thing that he says in the comic books or what is that? I don't know. I've only read one of his comic books because I mean, there's only the original run, I don't know, 30 comics. It's not much. This was not exactly like a super popular character. This movie actually made him more popular. Because it was so infamous, like, have you seen that movie? And then that's how people usually talked about this film in the 90s. You know, like, they'd have to whisper it. Have you seen <laughs> that? If they went to my house, be like, have you seen that? Yeah, I fucking love that. I don't know. That's really weird. Feature presentation time. And now, our feature presentation. We start this out in a world that I kind of want to go swimming in. I just want to hang out in this set. I want to know how much they did of these little kind of just stupid jokes of like his world's exactly the same except you know mallard it's ducks it's like a like a smurf world where everything is kind of duck puns uh for everyday life yeah i wonder how much fabulous art's around because i've always wanted that howard the duck indiana jones poster yeah i wonder if you could find that on ebay or something i wonder if somebody has that (laughs) i just can imagine that being something that would just like go up on ebay one day so we'd be like, oh, we found this in a warehouse and we don't want it. Give us a hundred bucks and we'll give it to you. <laughs> Done. <laughs> if I could get a big enough copy of it, that'd be so amazing to print that out. That's a good silly in- inside reference one for sure. <laughs> so it's inside his universe and, you know, we get the the commercials are fantastic. Why not take a shot of new shorts blaster? It's guaranteed to wipe out feather fungus in even the most active crotches. Shorts blaster. In addition, you won a new car. (laughs) But that's not all. Oh, Fred, I love you so much. Uh, It hurts. uh, uh, My cancer society. $79.95? Forget it. $49.99? No way. I'm crazy with you, and my prices are insane. Where it's just like a jock itch or whatever it is. Uh, You know, I don't know. But he pulls out the Play Duck, the Playboy magazine. Mm -hmm. And what? here's what I'm trying to think. Now, as a kid, I never picked this up. But as an adult right away, I'm like, is... uh, Howard about to uh, have a little happy time here before he gets sucked into the portal? I think so, because this movie is uh, uh, one of those movies where it's like, who is this for? Because some of the silly stuff with Howard is definitely for kids. And this is a PG rated movie. But then stuff like this, like you're talking about here, like this, the duck boobs and like them almost having sex uh the duck and leah thompson this is clearly for adults and it's like who another one of these confused movies where it doesn't really know its audience because yeah i think uh howard the duck is gonna have some alone time with his uh play duck magazine here and it's uh kids aren't gonna get this and adults are like what am i looking at (laughs) i did not get it at all but then when he gets sucked through the portal i mean the duck tits is just yes. something that has rattled me as a kid into adulthood. I still, one, okay, since it's the 80s, I get how it got past, you know, the PG rating, okay? Yes. 
I don't know, maybe it was just like, well, it's a duck. It's not really a human. Maybe they got away for it. They got away with that. I don't know. Maybe Lucas put some money underneath the table so they didn't have to make it PG-13 and get more families into the theater or at least renting it. I don't know. But as an adult watching it, that is right where you get the, what the hell is this? (laughs) Like, who is this for? Yes. Like, I just can't, I can't imagine... I guess, you know, kids, I think kids think nudity is funny. So maybe for kids, they thought I was fun. But it is pushing a weird, I don't know. It's a pushing a weird button having just like frank duck nudity in the movie. That I just, it is unsettling. So then it's got this big, you know, beginning like, and then the beginning we had Howard the Duck. And, you know, I'm looking at that. Okay, so this this seems like they want to make a really big film. You know, this beginning, this feels like it wants to be bombastic. Yeah. And then we go straight into Cleveland, and I'm like, wow. It goes from this bombastic announcement of this new universe we're about to enter, and then we are in Cleveland. Now, yeah. no offense to anyone who's from Cleveland, Ohio, but... If they would have then landed in St. Louis, Missouri, where I'm from, I would have said the same thing. Like, uh, Midwest and we choose Cleveland. I don't That's not even the Midwest. It's like the Mideast. It's the Masters of the Universe effect where it's like, oh, you've got this cool world, but they're just on Earth in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, you know, they couldn't afford to have all these ducks running around and even that, like all those ducks. Now, I haven't actually zoomed in on those uh, commercials, but I assume those are less quality ducks compared to Howard the Duck, which took like four, you know, operators to make his face work. Yeah, I can't imagine them wanting to do a whole slew of uh, a duck population like that. <laughs> I feel like that would have been a nightmare. And even for $37 million in 1986, I still feel like that it, it wouldn't be possible. <laughs> No, there's actually stuff I've read on the Howard the Duck animatronic mask and everything basically cost about a million dollars because they spent so much time and money trying to figure out, you know, you had four puppeteers with their little radio controlled whatever, you know, operating this. And, and, you know, this isn't something that was hardwired. This was being done with remote controls. This was kind of amazing, and uh, Leah Thompson was saying that like sometimes the face would get all weird because like a plane would fly over or someone would be closing their garage door because this is all like radio waves controlling it. Yeah, and it, props to Ed Gale for his performance in the suit here that he's got to deal with that stuff too and also walk around and perform while like, yeah a bunch of puppeteers and animatronic people are working his face and his, you know, everything like that. Uh, so major props for him also dealing with that all day long. <laughs> I also find it funny that most of this movie takes place at night for the sheer, fa- or indoors for the sheer fact that the kid who was playing Howard the Duck basically couldn't work at night. So Ed Gale or Ed, yes, it's Ed Gale. He basically just took over the role because I mean, working with the kid was just kind of a nightmare. Hmm. And I'm surprised they didn't know that right away. I know the whole reason that they didn't want Ed Gale at the beginning is because he was one inch too tall, which I think is just stupid. Like, no one gives a shit. No one watched this movie and went, you know, Howard the Duck's get a little bit tall. You know, I, I need a shorter Howard the Duck. No one. No one in the audience gives a shit about that. <laughs> well, there was no one in the audience in 1964 yeah, so. <laughs> period. So. <laughs> Well, a little bit. It made over $30 million yeah, in the box office. there's a little bit. It's true. <laughs> and you know all of that is just because of the Lucas name. That's it. No one was... There's very few people except a few, you know, like, obscure people like you and I, if we were, you know, at our ages now in the 80s, have been like, I I know Howard the Duck. I'm going to watch that. And it's got Lucas's name on it. I'm there, dude. And when we would have walked out of the theater, like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> and why was it so awesome um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> high five yeah right that would that would be today basically what you're saying is you want a satan sluts motorcycle jacket after watching this film basically yes <laughs> i didn't actually ever notice what the motorcycles it, for it's an all-female motorcycle group 
And then because of the documentary, I happened to pause it when the motorcycle group was passing by at the beginning of this film when Howard the Duck is abused when he first gets into Cleveland. And I got to admit, I do want that jacket. (laughs) If you saw someone, or at least me, let's use me, it's really me. If I saw someone walking around in a Satan Sluts leather jacket from Howard the Duck, I would flip out. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely want one. I definitely think they <laughs> really think those are cool for sure. Uh, what, again, who's this for? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm telling you, it's for like a sliver of a group. It's for the weirdos who are like part of like the the you know funky sci-fi horror community. Yeah, but not yeah. like the core of them. No, I'm talking to like the outer rim where it's you or I and a few other people that we know that probably listen to this show where they're like, yeah, it's not my typical shit, but I'll take it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just go- just going off that a quick sidebar, like since, you know, discovering this movie and sort of the cult around it, it's only been probably 12 13 years since i've seen this movie for the first time but i've now seen this like a ton of times since then <laughs> i know every time i watch it i feel a little sad inside and a little happy outside i don't know why <laughs> yeah it is it is a uh, a weird thing and then another like just like sidebar too about this movie like for maybe listeners that don't remember or know this like in the 80s, like a Marvel movie wasn't like what it is today. You know, like uh, people like we were talking about how we would definitely want to see this if we were us today then. But like it wasn't like people were running out to see every new Marvel movie in 1986 either. Like nobody cared. They weren't really taken seriously like they are today. No, essentially it was just Superman at this point. And I don't think anyone thought you could do any more Superman superhero movies i'm sure there were some people a lot of people inside hollywood is just like it's a one-off thing you know they got the best of the best to do the superman series and it was i think they had one and superman one and two at this point maybe three when did three come out i have no idea superman's a total blind spot for me i don't know any of those movies (laughs) okay superman three was 83 and Superman 4 was 87. Okay, I did not know that. I, I thought Superman 4 was like 19, like 90 almost. Well, who knows when it would have came out because doesn't that during the, uh, yeah, the, the collapse of yeah. uh, canon? So it could have come out later. Well, this was just before Batman, which I mean, Batman is the one. And even Batman didn't exactly propel a bunch of new superheroes to come out. It still was just Superman, then Batman. Yeah, and we've we've talked about it countless times. Batman more inspired the Burton-esque kind of movies versus superhero kind of movies. So, yeah, yeah, we just didn't have that superhero boom. So, yeah, Howard the Duck, again, like, who is this for? (laughs) There weren't Marvel fans yet. This is Satan Sluts is the jackets in here. It's just like it's for adults, but for kids. There are no real there is no real fan base for this thing. And you even talked about it too earlier. Like there weren't that many of these comic books. So like, who is this movie? How is this ever going to (laughs) work? I don't know. I mean, really, it wasn't until Blade and X-Men came out that we had the superhero boom. And of course, Spider-Man. Yeah, really, it was. (laughs) I don't know. I, I just this is terrible preparation and it really should have been an animation. And this is just dumb to quickly go through this when it comes to money i'm thinking about this as like a producer or any you know someone inside of a production house i would have voted no on this because i would have been like this is too obscure and if lucas you know if we're not having a big name director on this i'm not trusting it fine i'll take the writers but this is too out there too weird i need someone that i trust and that's why a lot of movies you know from these People will say, like, Hollywood's too conservative. Well, yeah, if I'm spending $30 million, I'm going to feel good about it. This just feels... I feel like this only got made because of Lucas's weight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm glad it got made because, you know, you and I get to talk about it and a lot of other people in conventions where every time we're, we're simultaneously laughing at the film and laughing with the film. 
it is it is like you've mentioned it's like you've got you, you can't look at this movie without seeing the glaring errors like it, yeah. everything that's wrong with it but you can still love it you know but it is you've got like this is not one that you can like kind of put the blinders on for like this is not one that you can just like unabashedly love you got to be like okay there's a lot wrong here yeah but it is entertaining <laughs> i i will just go through my notes uh so so we can just get through this film because i'm sure a lot of people have seen it and if they haven't you need to not because it's like will change your life you need to see it because it will change your life <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it just so it's so strange it's so it's strange. so strange you just have yeah. to experience it at least once uh and if you don't like it that's fine Plenty of people don't like it, but you just got to see it to know like <laughs> how weird this really is. Yeah. I, I feel like the change your life moment. It, it's not so much like, wow, I can't believe I never saw that film. And I'm I'm really just going to look at films differently the rest of my life. No, it's more like, wow, I can't believe I've never gone down this weird rabbit hole to know how funky life can get. <laughs> like It's just weird. Love it's it. true and it, it's a good it is like you're saying you didn't know how weird it could get like this is a good gateway drug too for uh cult movies and weird movies and like mm-hmm. forgotten movies like it is a good gateway drug because you're like wow they made movies this weird that nobody saw okay mm-hmm. <laughs> well and then the one point where leah thompson beverly's character opens up howard the duck's wallet and there's an open condom in there mm-hmm. and she goes howard and i'm like <laughs> They didn't even put it in a little wrapper. Yeah. And I guess since they have boobs, they got junk too. Right. They they must have all the functional parts. They're humanoid mallards that somehow, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just, again, the condom thing as a kid, I did not get that at all. I, just like I didn't get the condom joke in the mask. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't get that. I didn't get that joke until like recently. <laughs> that one just kept going over my head. Uh, yeah. It, and then I think the moment where I really am like, whoa, what this movie is when then they almost hook up uh, yeah. when they're laying oh. in the bed together and it's like going to happen. And I'm like, whoa, movie. Whoa. <laughs> well, and then the, also that point, because Jennings and whatever phil is that his name tim robinson yeah yeah yeah. yeah. uh how's it hanging phil (laughs) every time every time i hear phil i think i i literally think the same thing too (laughs) (laughs) and then they they like peek out you know or no they peek just over like whatever she's got blocking uh her bed because i guess she lives with all the band members I don't know, because we never see them either. in there. Yeah we, yeah, we see them at the show, but we don't see them in the apartment, which is like, which for like Cleveland and supposed to be struggling artists is like a gigantic fucking apartment, of course, like and kind of gorgeous in its disaster. Yeah. <laughs> you know? They do this in all of it. And we always I mean, if you know anything about filming, you know why these big old lofts are always in these movies is because there's so much space for the camera to move around. Right, right. <laughs> but no way that a struggling bar rock star uh, can afford that place. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, she's barely getting any money because Howard the Duck has to like beat up her manager after he loses his sex working cleanup guy job. I What the oh, fuck oh, was yeah. he doing? I've already forgot about this. Yeah, he's a, a jizz mopper um, yeah. at a bathhouse and it's or whatever that's this whatever place is. I don't. Uh, the sex den. Ew, gross. Why is this in a kids movie? <laughs> He's a jizz mopper, and uh, I don't know. It makes me uncomfortable. This I forgot this scene again. I always forget it until it happens. Where they're like, "I got a job for you," and he goes to the uh, unemployment office or whatever, and then like, "Oh my god!" And he literally is like mopping the jizz at one point <laughs> off the yeah. floor, and I'm like, "Ew." <laughs> Ah, uh, Jeffrey Jones is probably in that uh, bathhouse. Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> what? What? Not to- Oh, I was just saying, I am not touching that one. <laughs> like, he already did enough it was, of it. <laughs> it was. Oh, oh. Well, I mean, Ed Gale was in the suit at this time, not the boy. So, did mm. you? <laughs> that's why Safer. Jeffrey Jones. Uh, yeah, Jeffrey Jones was. That's not funny. <laughs> I'm not gonna go down that. <laughs> I know where I'm going with that joke, and I'm gonna quit. Yeah, everybody knows the uh, the punchline there. So. <laughs> Yeah, and again with, you know, so Beverly's just running around in her underwear half the time they're in this apartment, and 
I always forget how much of a sex idol she was for a you know short period of time because she's just a lady who is good looking at every moment of her life. Even now, when you see her in that documentary where you know she's in her fifties, I'm like, what? What are you taking? Yeah, the eternal like life that she has. This uh, she looks the same basically. <laughs> I know she's got a few wrinkles, and it would be like one of that ones. She's like, oh, I'm just falling apart, and I could see like every woman looking at her like, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stunning. She's absolutely stunning. Yeah. We'll just go to the Jennings, the Dark Overlord, because his transformation is awesome. It is one of the best, I don't know, meth addict. I don't even know how to describe what he turns into. Yeah, he's basically like, it's it's Jeffrey Jones, how I kind of imagine Jeffrey Jones wakes up in the morning. <laughs> just like, like he's got this cracked skin and like it, he gets the voice, you know, the the evil voice and his like eyes are changing and he's like his hair is all crazy. Holy shit. He's Doc Brown on crack. Yes. Basically, he's just Doc Brown, a uh, meth head uh, <laughs> living in a, uh, under an underpass or whatever. <laughs> That's what he, and, and the creature he turns into, I will say the stop motion effects when he does transform fully into the dark overlord creature that thing looks amazing and to your point too the makeup of his change is really good too yeah i mean that dark overlord scorpion vagina mouth thing yeah kind of a a little bit like predator yeah something between like predator and like some something that came later than howard the duck but like predator and like the violator from spawn Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what it looks like. That's a good comparison right there. Yeah. I mean, this is Phil Tippett at his like highest amount. I mean, after this, he did Ed 209. The guy's just amazing. Uh, spectacular guy. But he also hated doing this. And it was his damn fault. And he even admits it. He's just like, I just went crazy with this model. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, shit, I got to animate this. But he said, luckily, this film did him a favor where they're like, yeah, we want to keep this uh, where the actual stop motion is under, I think they said three minutes, which I never realized that there is that little stop motion in this. But it feels like there's a lot more. And I'm assuming because the impact of the monster is so big. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be. It looks so good and like almost like, you know, it's stop motion because, you know, we've seen movies before, but it almost looks real, you know? Yeah, I think you could take that stop motion and someone, you know, a professional could go in and clean up a little bit with some CG, you know, animation in it. And it would look almost, you know, like ridiculously real because I've always wondered how good it can look. We've seen in a few, you know, stop motion films, but I wonder with something like this, if you could have a professional animator go into it or a small team and like take what Phil Tippett has and clean up some of the uh, motion, you know, that he can't quite get out of that. You can only get so much in stop motion. That's why some something like Ed 209 works so well, because it's robotic. But I mean, obviously, I love stop motion. But if you could just combine a little bit of the CG animation with the stop motion, I wonder what we could get. Yeah, like, I, I, I agree. If you could kind of clean up some of the, like, motion blur, it would just be real at that point, you know? Yeah. I think it would look really cool and badass. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I guess the only other thing I have to. So the diner scene is and you were saying like that slows up the movie so much. What I just don't get is like the reaction of humans are never consistent in this world. And I get all humans are different. You know, it's case by case. But basically you have an extreme reaction where they're afraid of the duck or they want to kill the duck. And I always wonder because you get into the diner and they're like, the cook wants to like chop his head off. They want to murder this duck. Chicken fried duck. Where's the SPCA when you need them? I am not amused. I'm going to barbecue your bill, bird. Oh, great duck in heaven. Is this the end of Howard? Oh, there's going to be more violence. I hate violence. You got to go in there and beat him up. Jenning. Jenning. Don't just sit there. Come on. This is serious. They're going to cook me. Take that. Uh, uh, Any last words? Uh, yeah. Also combined with even two, like a third reaction is just total indifference. Like, it's just like, oh, it's a duck person. Crazy. Uh, or they're like, yeah, kill it. Or yeah, exactly. Like it, 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 
everybody's reaction is different, but none of them seem to be like the normal reaction. <laughs> the only one who kind of have a normal reaction is the the waitress. Where she's like, oh, cool costume. Uh, so I guess maybe it's not really a reaction because she doesn't know. But, you know, it's either I want to kill it or I want to bone it. Yeah, cute. Gross. <laughs> and it's only Leah Thompson who was. Who, by the way, in that documentary, she thought it was hilarious that she wanted to possibly sleep with Howard. And I don't get that. I mean, I do. I'm, I'm of the mind of both. I think it's disgusting and gross and weird, but it is also kind of hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, like if they, if this was an animation, it would have been fine because they're both animated, and you'd have been like, "That's weird." But then again, you couldn't do that with kids because if it's an animation, you got to clearly make it more for kids if you want it to sell the general audiences. I would think. But then again, apparently this universe, these writers just didn't give a shit about that. <laughs> right. And God bless, God bless them for it. Because <laughs> their original idea when they're like, well, initially we wanted to do Howard the Duck in Hawaii. And I, I just like slapped my forehead. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why? What is up with this? Like, you know, Beetlejuice in Hawaii is a, is a sequel. And, and Howard the Duck in Hawaii. What? And then their second choice is Cleveland? <laughs> well, we can't get Hawaii. Might as well get that other paradise. <laughs> Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> like, what? Oh, and again, I am sure there's great people from Cleveland. I'm just like, it's not a great place to take. Well, you can film in Cleveland and pretend it's somewhere else. Fine. <laughs> you know, but I just don't think you want your. I don't know. Maybe it's perfect that a duck movie. It takes place in Cleveland. Maybe that's just <laughs> how it should be. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I have no I have no problem with Cleveland. Uh, but, you know, also, I'm not like super jazzed about Cleveland. Either. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, I don't know. It's just so odd. There's just so much oddities to this film. And yet I still love it. But, you know, what I've really thought like another out of place scene is the plane. Yeah, very silly, very, this feels uh, kind of a little like Rocketeer-esque a little bit, but like not as good, obviously. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just feels out of place in this movie. Yeah, I it does. It feels almost like a climax. Yeah, and then it's not because we still have to do the thing. And here's the thing with the with the Dark Overlord. That's your threat. That's your villain. Really not introduced until like the last 30 minutes of the movie when yeah. they're like, all right, Howard, this is how we can get you back. Up, oh, something got through. Up, oh, Jeffrey Jones is now this guy. Up, oh, he, now he's here. You could have taken all that that you pack in the last half hour and put that throughout and not have stuff like the unemployment stuff, the jizz mopper scene, the, the diner scene. You know, it's all this stuff that slows it down. They could have expanded the story that they kind of rush in the last act here. No, if you're going to do a fish out of water like this and you're going to introduce the bad guy, you got to do it right away. Exactly. Like Howard and the Dark Overlord both arrive in Cleveland at the same time and they split up, but we follow Howard. And then he's like, there's something down here that tried to kill me at the beginning. Say the Dark Overlord didn't have the power and it, he was, you know, it was dying and needed a body. Found the scientist. Maybe not even shoot him down into like an alley, shoot him down into the actual facility where they came. We see the dark overlord enter the scientist, but only Howard the Duck sees it. And then they're split up. And the whole time he's like, I got to get back to that facility. I don't know where the hell it is, though. And I'm telling you, the dark overlord is in that dude. Yeah. And everyone's like, sure, Howard. Sure. And I think that structure that you're talking about here would have definitely <laughs> made the movie feel a little bit more complete and cohesive because that's. That's kind of what they're setting up with this movie, but they're like they're not delivering on it until the last 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, basically, this movie doesn't start until 45 minutes in, even though the very beginning of this film, it starts quickly where they introduce Howard to Beverly fast. But there's also a part at the beginning I got to mention where everyone thinks Howard is a child in this bar. And then I don't know, the bouncer grabs him and he goes, I know a kid when I sees him. And then just chucks him into the alley like 20 feet. And I'm like, what? If you saw a kid in the bar. That's how we treated children in 1986. Don't you uh, remember? <laughs> Holy shit. Again, who's this for? Like, I would have get if, you know, if you just would have thrown the kid out and say the kid would have tripped into the ground. Well, obviously, it's Howard the Duck. You know what I mean? But if you think it's a child, I love that your first instinct is throw him as far as I can into the alley. <laughs> Yeah, 
hurt him. <laughs> this this kid shouldn't be here. Let's inflict pain on him. <laughs> yeah. That's basically the reaction to a lot of people. If it yeah. isn't physical violence, it's making a mop up come. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Gross. I even feel dirty just saying that sentence. Yes. Because this is in a PG film. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine going home that night after shooting that scene. Like, did we just do this? Yeah. It, it, did nobody think that that was like a weird thing to have in a kid's movie? Did, did that never occur to anybody when they were making this? <laughs> I don't know. That, that'll that end my notes. I don't have anything else to say about this movie because it's just. I mean, I'm still smiling, though, because this film makes me smile. It, yeah, same. I, I do, like, in, in summation, <laughs> I have said a lot of negative things about this movie. But, yeah, obviously, I love this movie. I can't I can't help it. It's so weird and bizarre. Uh, but I can't. It's also, at the same time, it's like, I have to know. I recommend it to everybody because they have to see how weird it is. But I don't know who... I could recommend it to that would love it because it's so strange, you know, like I recommended everybody to check out once, but I don't know who's going to come away with really loving this one. The weirdos, me, (laughs) you, I mean, Howard, the duck shot an arrow through my heart. (laughs) Yeah. Weirdos. If you haven't seen this one, this one's right up your alley. So you got to check out Howard, the duck. (laughs) It really is. I absolutely love it. Let's, let's go on to the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out into the film jungle. Just like Indy, we're bringing something back to our museum, good or bad. So this is kind of like part of our Lucas wing of the museum, too. Yeah, uh, we've got we've got a few now. We've uh, we've covered some Star Warses. We've covered some uh, Howard the Duck now. Like, we'll, we'll make our way through Lucas, I'm sure. I guess one good thing I'd put in this film, there's two right away, and I'm just going to mention one, and then if you don't mention it, I'll mention it again. The lip syncing with Chip Zahn, Zine, whatever his name is, it's Chip something, uh, and the duck bill. Pretty damn good. I'm impressed. With an animatronic face like that, you would think the lip syncing would be bad, and I thought it was pretty damn good. I agree, actually. I uh, I think the effects work all around was really good like like i was talking about at gail's kind of performance mixed with the animatronics he did such a good job and then yeah the the voice over for it matches he never takes you out of it at all uh so i think that's a good one i think they did a really good job with that yeah what you got i'm just gonna put in duck boobs because it's the first thing (laughs) it's the first thing that shoots you into this world i mean we get jock itch and we get him looking at uh play duck but that's a little more playful duck boobs is the first time you're confronted with the adult nature of this movie so uh i'm gonna put it in the museum you can't can't, i can't not i have to so you're gonna quack foo kick that thing in right into the museum yep that's right quack foo man (laughs) so many of these puns I'm just wondering if these writers, when they were writing this script, if they're like, let's just put everything in because, you know, Lucas isn't going to let us keep all this. And then Lucas is like, I read it. Guys, let's make this film. What? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's got more duck puns than Mr. Freeze puns in Batman and Robin. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Howard the Duck versus Arnold's Mr. Freeze. Oh, my God. (laughs) Could you imagine that rap battle? (laughs) Our ears would bleed. (laughs) still watch it oh yeah absolutely all in (laughs) (laughs) this is guaranteed to kill you all right here's my money yeah right i'll i'll watch it (laughs) (laughs) it's 2020 fuck it let's go out with a bang that's right mr freeze and howard the duck puns here we go (laughs) (laughs) oh that'll end it this week and happy thanksgiving everyone i uh, know a lot of people won't see their family and and some people you know We'll just break all the rules. Whatever. There's nothing we can do. I'm not going to judge. Fuck it. I'm not going to get to see my family. Yeah, uh, I'll judge. Uh, I'm not going anywhere, so uh, you shouldn't either. (laughs) And if you're going somewhere and you're going to be around a lot of people, uh, wear a mask or something or stay outside. Please. Uh, (laughs) Wear your Howard the Duck mask. That's right. Wear your duck bill. Something. 
But uh, yeah, no, happy Thanksgiving. And uh, uh, if we're saying things we're thankful for, I am thankful for you, dear listeners, for getting us this far. (laughs) And we're still doing it. Some of you really, really like us. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm thankful for those who hate us, too. (laughs) I'm thankful that Madonna didn't star in this film. Yes, same. (laughs) How weird would that have been? I mean, we know how weird it was when she was in Dick Tracy, so (laughs) we covered that. Yeah, another weird noir. I I mean, technically that was 90s, but let's just say it was 80s. Yeah, they made it in the 80s. Oh, man. They really love to put their weirdness in noir films then. Yeah, noir was like a thing, too. It was so hot at this time. It's another thing I think people that are younger don't realize like we had a ton of these kind of everything was like a noir movie coming out in the late 80s early 90s had so many of these yeah we really did it was not rare at that time (laughs) it was everywhere (laughs) oh tim robbins you always be so annoying to me in this film i don't understand why they made him like this either and i don't understand what tim robbins was to beverly yeah were they just friends was he in love with her what i don't know but yeah i agree with you he's He's pretty annoying. And I I generally I feel like like Tim Robbins, like I don't he's not one of my favorites or anything, but I feel like I generally like him when he shows up in a movie. But yes, here, very annoying. Mm -hmm. That'll wrap it up this week. We'll come back with a no theme December. All right, everyone. Remember to be kind and rewind.